This is Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical or theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Last week, Sarah emailed in a question about Reformed theology, and it was not 10 minutes, but we wanted to come back and specifically talk about TULIP. So, Dr. E, what is TULIP? How does it relate to Calvinism? Give us the TULIP 101. (laughs) Let's go back to the Synod of Dort. This is in the Netherlands. There's been a civil war. The Calvinists, if you will, are coming together. There are 62 leaders from the Dutch provinces and another 24 foreign dignitaries that come together. Now, the Synod of Dort is the backdrop of what's happening here. There's a guy named Jacobus Arminius, Mm -hmm. who will later be known as Armenian theology. And he raised a whole bunch of challenges against Reformation thought. The primary one was predestination. He did not believe in it the way it was being taught. He did not believe in sovereignty the way it was being taught. Now, remember, for our friends, the Reformation is trying to reform the Catholic Church. They weren't trying to start a new denomination called the Protestant Church. In fact, that's a pejorative term. Oh, those protesters. In fact, the first Protestant Bible was a joke. It was, oh, that's those protesters' Bible. And the name stuck, if you will, and so Mm. Protestantism became a neutral term going forward. So Arminianism, he raises the questions about predestination, about sovereignty. As always, a good communicator, he's a bright, brilliant man, attracts students. So this becomes a controversy. The Belgic Confession is a very important benchmark. And if we were to get under the wire a little bit, he is a teacher at the University of Leiden. So he holds some controversial views. And he's got, we might call, tenure. Mm. Can't get rid of him. Mm -hmm. This whole Synod of Dort is going to be a response to what happens. Arminius gets together, and he has a group called the Remonstrances. And these were the five remonstrative positions. Listen carefully to the language. There's no five-point Calvinism yet. Right. There's no tulip yet. Listen to the language from the Remonstrance party. One, conditional election. Two, universal atonement, three, cooperative ability, four, resistible grace, Mm -hmm. and five, the necessity of perseverance as a condition for salvation. Now, this is a guy who's not buying the Reformed doctrine. Mm -hmm. So the Calvinists, the Dutch Reformers, are going to get together, and they're going to respond in this convocation. And there's a little bit of debate historically. There were actually four and then five statements, and they were kind of amalgamized. So you can read about that. I don't have any heartburn if you put some together. But those were the five remonstrous positions. So the five points of Calvinism, also known as the tulip, come along. And again, don't miss, this is after Calvin's dead. Mm-hmm. Calvin had nothing to do with this. They didn't go back and look to the institutes and go, where did Calvin teach this? They come up with this a hundred years later. Mm. And the five points of the tulip are total depravity. Why? Because Arminius talked about conditional election and universal atonement. Mm-hmm. He said, no, wait, wait, wait. We're all depraved. Yep. So the first one was T. The second, unconditional election. He said conditional election. They said unconditional. Yep. Third, Limited atonement, and that was back to his obvious comment. No, it's universal. The atonement sufficient for all. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth was irresistible grace, yep. not contingent. And the last was perseverance of the saints. Now, let me talk about these real briefly. Yep. Total depravity does not mean we're all murderers and rapists and horrible mm-hmm. people. It means we are totally 
sinful. Sinful. We are depraved yeah. in nature. We're yeah. born every in Adam's sin. Sin touches every facet of us and our lives. Uh, that'll work. So it's the extent of our depravity. <laughs> Unconditional <laughs> election is where it gets tricky. God does not elect based on what we do. Right. So God does not look down the annals of time and say, oh, Michael's going to trust Christ when he's a former drug head at 15 years of age and get his life together and make good decisions. Sometimes called foreordination, that God looks down time and says, oh, I'll pick these people. That goes against all election in the Bible. He chose Abram for no reason, Noah for no reason. He chose Aaron. He chose the Levitical priest. He chose prophets. He chose reluctant prophets. He didn't choose them based on their behavior. Goodness, look at Abraham's life. He chose them for his own reason, unconditional election. Limited atonement is the most controversial, in my opinion. Limited atonement, they would say he only died for the elect. Mm-hmm. Now, intellectually, I can agree with that, sure. but I have a problem with Scripture, scripture yeah. <laughs> teaching that the offer is universal. Yeah. So the Reformers will say, well, then Christ's blood was spilt or wasted. Right. Well, that's an interesting emotional point. Mm-hmm. I don't find it in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Nowhere do I find in the Bible that Jesus' blood was wasted if it only applied to you know, other be, other than the elect. Mm-hmm. A few verses, John 3, 16, God's to love the world, and reformers debate what the world means. Mm-hmm. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes. Why didn't Jesus said for the elect? Right. John 12, 32, and I, if I am lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. Mm-hmm. Now he's talking about the crucifixion, but that crucifixion act drew mankind to what he did, the efficacious work. Yeah. 1 Timothy 2.6, who gave himself a ransom for all, not all the elect, mm-hmm. for all. Second mm-hmm. Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but patient toward you, not wishing for any, any to, perish. to perish. So you have to parse these really fine if you're going to apply them only to the elect. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the tenacity to limited atonement. Because if Christ's blood is efficacious for all who will respond by faith, predestination and election including, obviously, if it's sufficient, why does it somehow damage the work of Jesus? Mm-hmm. We've already killed him, for goodness sake. Right. How are you going to damage the work he's done? So right. it's a very strained position, in my opinion. Then irresistible grace means basically He's going to call you, and you're going to respond. Yeah, you can't resist it. You don't one day say, oh, I, I studied world religions, and I think this is the yeah. right one. I'm going to become a Christian. You know, you can't resist his grace. And then finally, perseverance of the saint. And this one's confusing. It's not controversial. It's confusing because it sounds like, and it's often taught, if you're really a Christian, mm-hmm. then you'll persevere to mm-hmm. the end. You'll be a Christian mm-hmm. to the end. The Reformers held that it meant once saved, always saved. If you're Perseverance means the work of God continues Mm. to persevere in the believer's life. Now, that's confusing unless you understand the Council of Dort. And what Arminius was was peddling was this idea that the necessity of perseverance for salvation. Yes, yes. And the Reformers said, no, 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 no. That's Arminianism. So how does that look practically? A Catholic can lose his salvation. Nazarene can lose their salvation. Anyone who's Church of God or Assemblies of God, typically they're taught an Armenian theology. Wesleyan, Armenian. Mm-hmm. On a good day, you might be saved. On a bad day, not so much. Yeah. So the idea of the Reformation was to say, wait a minute, or the tulip rather was to say, no, 
if you trusted Christ, if you were called, I mean, think of the logic of this. You've been chosen. You were predestined. You responded by grace. Yep. Of course he's going to see you through. Yep. So there's a, a beautiful logic to it. Mm-hmm. Just the L is the one that gets me hung up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to be sure when we talked about Sarah's question earlier, because this is such a seminal part of Reformation theology sure. today. Sure. The TULIP is a very valuable teaching tool, mm-hmm. but you got to keep in mind the context of Dort and why it was written in response to Jacob's Arminius's heresies that he was teaching in the church. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Okay, <laughs> love it. If you got a question for Dr. E, call us, text us, email us. The info is in your show notes. Ask Dr. E is produced by me, Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonamorphic, and music composed by Jason Germain. 